All right, we're going to get to Romans 10 today, 1 through, John, am I right, 12? 13, okay, good. All right, so it, the, the break in your, um, in your scripture, if you were to have your copy of scripture there, the break doesn't come in, in this passage. There's one after four, and then it goes all the way from 5 to 21. But John and I have split this, uh, this up into two uh, sections. So today we'll cover 1 through 13. And let me read that for us uh, before, we, before we jump in. And there's a, there's a couple of things in here, I think, that we'll kind of focus on. Um, there's a question in here that, that we kind of get to. And there's a, a, an odd saying um, that we'll kind of spend a little time on discussing. Let me read this to us, okay? Romans 10, 1 through 13. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Who is he talking about there? Israelites, good. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so here you have Paul really getting uh, into the, uh, grabbing the Israelites and, and telling them, you are not submitting to God's righteousness. You have this great zeal, but it's not based on the righteousness of Christ, okay? Uh, so his desire is that these Israelites would be saved, just like our desire is that our friends would be saved. And we have friends and family that try to work to gain salvation, don't we? If I'm good, if I'm better than Johnny over here, 
I'll be all right. I am a little bit better. I'm just a little bit more justified. I'm a little nicer off than they. Um, but what does he mean they, they have um, this, they're not submitting to God's righteousness? What are, what are we going there? I know we said works. What else are we, what else is he kind of hammering home there? Um, I think I wrote it out for you. God didn't accept the Israelites because they put their faith in their own law-keeping and not in the Savior. And we do it as well, don't we? We, we go, oh, well, if I, if I do A, B, C, and D, the Lord will look more kindly upon me. Now, let me ask this question. How much more will the Lord love you if you obey him today? No more. Will he love you less if you break a commandment? If I steal your time today and go into worship, will the Lord love, love us less? No. And so the Israelites were, they were really struggling with this. Okay, so, and we struggle with it. I had a, a discussion with my mom. My mom says, I am really struggling with my overeating. I am not pleasing the Lord. I said, yeah, he probably doesn't love you as much as he loves me, Mom. I don't struggle with my overeating. Well, I do, but, but so you, you, I almost have to joke with her to get her mind back on track. Mom, it's not what you do. It's what the Lord has done for you. If I teach you nothing else today, it is what the Lord has done for you, not what you do for him. He has justified you. He's declared you righteous. And that's what the Israelites were missing out on. Everybody follow so far? Okay, good. All right. Um, just below that, that next little point. Here is, um, Sproul wrote this out, uh, talking about the law and righteousness. I put those, I think there's four points. Christ is the point of the law. What does that, what's that mean? He is the point of the law. Anybody, anybody understand that? that? Yeah. Okay, he is the purpose. All right? He's also the goal of the law. What does that, how does that play into our thoughts? How is Christ the goal of the law? kept it okay all right awesome yes it's not of you yes travis Just a misunderstanding of the law of God, not only like David 
Yep. And 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 we've been we've been in this uh, justification aspect of Romans. We have been kind of pitting the Israelites against with their quote righteousness because what do they say but we are children of Abraham well and that gets you what all right and so that's kind of Paul's kind of working all of that out um, and then you have others well the law I don't have to keep the law because Christ did therefore I can do whatever I want and we get back to the antinomian and the legalist aspects, right? We, and there's a, there's a balance. We, we studied um, Wednesday night. We asked those questions about antinomianism and, and the legalist, legalistic points of view. And uh, really good discussion. If you're not there on Wednesdays, come on. And we'll have to pull out some more chairs because we had a crowd Wednesday. It was really good. Uh, moving on there. Uh, Christ is the meaning of the law. What's that? The whole. So we, so we see in this that Christ is completely wrapped up in the law. The law is completely wrapped up in Christ, I should say. Uh, and then lastly, if you try to follow and obey the law, but avoid Christ, you have missed the whole point of the law. And that's where in, in churches today, well, you have faith plus whatever else people add to it. You have faith plus, you know, okay, you got to have church attendance. Or faith plus anything added to Christ or anything added to faith, then you've missed the mark. And we, we struggle with that. We, we, I need to do this or I need to do that. Well, are you trying to gain or earn your salvation? I think that's where Paul's going here. These Israelites are trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to earn this. All right, moving on to verses 6 and 7 here. <clears throat> Do we get the zeal? Do you guys understand the zeal before we move on? The zeal was this, well, I've got all this, uh, I want to, I've got this all about God. I get it. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm very fervent. I'm very zealous for those things until it comes to, but he, God has justified me, but I don't really want to study and learn about that. I really am tied up in my, in my uh, heritage. I'm tied up in who my mom and dad were and the genealogies. Therefore, that genealogy is what saved me because I came from Abraham's loins. And we're not really concerned about what Christ has done for us. And that's where that zeal uh, was not based on the righteousness of Christ. So I got you a little discussion question. What does Paul mean in verses 6 and 7 when speaking of ascending into heaven to bring Christ down? 
and descending into the abyss to bring Christ up. Now, don't read my possibility underneath there yet. Don't go there. That's my thunder. But what have you heard taught about those verses before? Or have people just skipped over that? They've skipped it? Yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yep. Okay. Anything else? So, in in that in that aspect, we'll kind of get to that. You know, this this righteousness is not far from you; it's near. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in the underneath there, I put in uh, this tradition. Let me read this to you as you follow along there, tradition among Pharisees that if any single Pharisee kept all the Jewish laws perfectly for one day, that man's righteousness would be so pure that it would induce God to send the Messiah. His merit would enable him to climb right up to heaven and bring the Messiah down. Or if the Messiah had gone into hell, he could bring him back up. Now, who has that kind of righteousness, that kind of merit? Who? Yeah, Christ, but he's the Messiah. So there is no one, and that's what John was saying back in, in Romans 8, there's no one righteous. No, not one. No one's going to be able to ascend into heaven and bring Christ down. Or go into the abyss and bring Christ up. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't climb into heaven and bring the Savior down. The point is that only God can send a Savior from heaven. And only God can bring one back from the dead. And here's the key to this this little section. Only God can save you. And that, brothers and sisters, is where our faith should be. Not in, well, I'm a child of Abraham, or I do good works. No, that is where your faith should be. It is Christ who saves. It is God who gives us the gift of faith. It is he who has justified us. And let's rest in that truth. So Paul's answer, as, as John 
kind of stole that thunder there. The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Okay? Now, the word, that little section I learned this, this last few weeks is a Israelite idiom. Don't ask me what all these words mean, but it is telling the Israelites back in Deuteronomy that this faith is near you. Like John said, you don't have to go search for it. The Lord has brought this to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. You're not going to have to go and search and turn over rocks and knock down things to find this faith. The Lord has given it to you right here. Even a child can understand it. And that, that's pretty important. You don't have to be a Pharisee. You don't have to be a ruling elder or a deacon or a woman in the church leader. You don't have to be something to have this faith that is near you. It is given by God Almighty. And it, is, it, it was God's way of telling the Israelites, I'm near. This faith is near. I will open your eyes. I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It is, it is here. You don't have to go and do a whole lot of searching for this. It's not a work-based faith. Okay? And that's where the Israelites were kind of hanging up there. They were trying to do works-based. Who does that today? Who's a, what's a works-based religion? It's Travis's favorite. Least favorite. Yeah, Catholic, right? A Catholic, they were going to do as, as much work as they can to, to earn their, their salvation. Okay. Looking at Paul's answer and applying it to faith in, in Christians, where do we find the word of faith? As believers, where do we where do we find that? What's Paul say? The heart and the mouth. Okay. So how do we how do we find it in the heart? Okay. The means of grace. We have those every Sunday here at New Covenant, don't we? What would those be? Preaching, prayer, sacraments, fellowship. Yep, reading. Okay. That gets... And, and the Israelites, in contrast to that, were what, what were they, what was their thought process? If the Holy Spirit's writing this word on our heart and, and giving us this, this new heart, 
What were these Israelites struggling with? It's to eat, yeah. I want to work for it. I'm a child of Abraham. Therefore, I'm in. You know, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but just because you joined New Covenant Presbyterian Church does not mean you're going to heaven. Okay? <laughs> I just got to throw that out there. Just because you're a member of a church doesn't mean you're in. Right? Now, the, the session, as, as most of you have been through our new members class, we ask for a testimony. We want to hear what the Lord has placed on your heart. We ask you to confess with your mouth to us what is in your heart. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's good. Why is it good? Okay. Perfect. That's what, that's what Paul's saying, right? What else? Why else would we do that? Encouragement. It, it's encouraging to your session to hear how the Lord has saved you. We need, I need to hear those stories. I need to hear, wow, God didn't save me that way, but he, he saved me. What else? How else do we... Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, because there's what four of us, and there's a bunch of you guys, and we don't get to spend a whole lot of time with all of you. We get to spend a little bit of time with you, but it is hard to get to know folks if you're not involved tremendously in Sunday morning, Sunday evening, small group Bible studies. It, it's hard. So we need to hear what the Lord has done for you, how he has changed your heart, okay? Right. Yeah, and we get in, we get, we get in trouble with that faith plus work sometimes, don't we? Because we think that has to become part of our salvation. Instead, though, it is the the proof that we are saved right and and there's a there's a a a line there that the works are are not getting us anymore i hate it's such a balance but the works don't save us the works show that we're saved does that make sense that's that's an easy way to to put that um and so the mouth um Let's look at it this way. If, if, if we have faith in our heart, it's impossible to find faith in the heart that isn't in the mouth also. Like Mike was saying, if it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. It is impossible to be a Christian and to have the word of God hidden in your heart, yet never for it to come out of your mouth. If the word of, if you have faith, if the word of God is in your heart, it's going to work its way out. 
that's, that's a truth. On the other hand, it is possible to have faith in the mouth and not in the heart. How does that play out? What, we see it, don't we? How many, Travis, I'm going to use you as an example since you have shared this story with us many times. In some of the churches you attended, when they would have an altar call, how many times did you go up? Me? Yeah. <laughs> a bunch, right? Yeah. You wanted to, yeah. And what, a, right, that's right, you wanted to make sure you, you were getting in there, okay? We grew up, we grew up in the evangelism explosion time, and so my parents went through all the training, all that stuff, and what they would say is, well, you filled out this card, you must be a Christian. You've all been in church where the preacher will say, let's bow our heads and we'll sing a prayer. And if you have uh, accepted Christ as your Savior, just raise that hand. Oh, yes, I see that hand. Oh, there's another one. Thank you very much. We've all seen that. How many of you ever went to the Billy Graham Crusades? I'm the only one. Okay, three of us. Okay. So at the Billy Graham Crusades, there's like 300,000 people jammed into these massive stadiums. And they would do an altar call. Come on down front if, if you want the Lord to be your Savior. I'm telling you, it's all you could do to stay in your seat because everybody was standing up and going down. And there's 100,000 people walking down. They fill out a card. They think, I'm saved. The next day, they go out and they do whatever they want to do. It's, it, it's, it was in the mouth. It was, in, it was head knowledge like the Israelites toward the beginning. They had this zeal, but it was not placed in the proper, proper place. And so you have this, all of these different things that, that we as, as churches do, uh, different denominations will do, and not that they're bad. I don't want I don't, I don't to say that they're bad because that is a way of recognizing someone being saved. But then there's also a discipleship to that. And you teach people how this works. I, you know, there's a, I think of all the testimonies that we've heard of church members, not a single one has been the same. You think about that. There's going to be a hundred or so people here today. None of you were saved by the same person sharing the gospel with you, by the same verse that was being used, but you were all changed by the same Holy Spirit. And that's, that's neat to see how the Lord works. John.
Very good. Victor? That's right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you you think of what you have been saved from and to. Just just contemplate that for fifteen seconds. What have you been saved from? The wrath of God. Now I'm going to cry because <laughs> what am I saved to? Wow. You, you can't keep that in your mouth. If, if that is in your heart and the Lord has changed you from being one that had no desire, I don't care about that stuff. And then he has revealed to you what a wicked person you are and what a holy God he is. And he has changed you like we talked about back in chapter 7. He has given you a way to enjoy him and worship him and glorify him. While you are still his enemy, you can't keep that in your mouth. There is no way that you realize that you have been saved from that and you will be ushered into the Lord's presence and you go, hmm, not that big a deal. <laughs> you can't. Um, and we keep using the word believer. I just kind of want to share if I can explain this, if you, culture today is, is, uh, is, is a, a feeling kind of culture. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? Well, I feel like this, or I feel this. God's not interested in your feelings. You, he, he is, he is worried. He's not worried. He's not worried. He's not. He, he wants to know that you believe. Is there a difference between in your feelings and your belief? I feel this. You know, you can hear, I'm sure, David, Travis, and Jonathan, you guys that have taken seminary classes, someone has probably answered the professor, well, I feel that uh, we should do this and yet there's a big disconnect between that and your belief your belief is actually 
It's there. It is. You grab hold of it. You're feeling that could change tomorrow. You know, I have discussions with my daughters. Well, I feel like this is the way I should do things. Really? Based on what? On my feelings. Well, listen, here's why your mom and I believe differently. It's based on the truth of Scripture. That's a, that's a big difference. Okay? Big difference. Um, so believing is essential to a Christian. You have to believe that Jesus Christ lived, died, rose again. If you feel that maybe he did, maybe he didn't, do you see the difference? It's a belief, and if you don't believe that Jesus did those, then you probably need to be concerned about your Christianity. So then why then do we evangelize? If, if there's elect, if there's people that are elect, and God knows those folks are elect, this is not on your paper, I don't think. This is, this is free stuff right here, okay? Why, if, if the Lord has elected, and he has placed on us this belief, why then do we evangelize? I'm, I'm, okay. So here's R.C. Here's Sproul. He was, he was sharing this, this story. His first year in seminary, his teacher comes in. They sit in a big semicircle. He's on one end. Teacher starts at the other. He goes, why do we evangelize? If, if election is so true, why evangelize? And he starts at the first student, and Sproul says, I was so happy that he didn't start with me. I had a big buffer to get to. And he says, the first guy goes, well, Prof, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know why we evangelize. And the next guy goes, oh, beats me. If there's people are elect, I don't know why we do this. And it went on and on and on and on and on. And he says, my buffer was getting real small. And he says, and the next guy gave a, a pretty bad answer. And uh, he said, he gets to me and says, okay, Mr. Sproul, why do we evangelize? If there's an elect, why do we do this? And Sproul says, well, I know this is not the answer you're looking for, but I feel like you're looking for because Scripture commands us to. And he says, the professor says, oh, yes, Mr. Sproul. And what could be more important than for Scripture to tell you to do something? And you just feel like it's important. And he said, right then I realized, wow, Scripture really does command us to do certain things. And what it tells us to do is not based on a feeling, but on the truth that God has given to each of us in his word. And like we said, is it far off? No. It's right here in our hearts. The Lord has placed it there. It is going to come out of our mouths. And we believe and we profess that Christ Jesus is Lord of all. And next week, John's going to get to teach us about those that bring the word. 
and why they bring the word and why we get to support those that bring the word. Any questions? We have like one minute before we move on. Standing on that. And those confessions and creeds are summaries, small summaries of parts of Scripture, which we know Scripture is truth. So we are reciting what we believe based on Scripture. Amen? Anything else? Let me close us. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us a time where we again get to reflect on what you have done for us your people you have written on our hearts your truth you have taken out our hearts and given us a heart of flesh and, and taken out that heart of stone you have allowed us to sit under your word you have allowed us to enjoy the means of grace and as we move into worship, Lord, would you continue to mold us and conform us to your word? Lord, we love you, and we pray that our worship this day would be glorifying to you, the one true God. And we ask and we pray this in your name. Amen.